from Jesus Christ. Let us turn to the word of God, Jeremiah chapter 5. Not preaching every passage in Jeremiah, just to give you the general scope of the book. So you will not be afraid to look and learn all the little details as well. Today we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 5. Lord willing, next week we'll look at Jeremiah 7. But today, Jeremiah 5.23 through 31. This is the word of God. But this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these things away, and your sins have withheld good from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper, and the right of the needy they do not defend. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? As an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land, the prophets prophesied falsely, and the priests ruled by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do? In the end, that is the word of the Lord, the link between wickedness and wheat. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, generally, poverty is linked to wickedness, and generally, prosperity is linked to obedience. In fact, this is what God told the Jews when they entered the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 28, showing that link between prosperity and obedience. He said, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. So it sounds remarkable. You obey God, blessings come. And then sometimes people conclude, if you have blessings... It means then you are doing good. The problem is there's an overlap. Sometimes there's an overlap and blessings might still be around when people are living sinful lives and wickedness is increasing. That's why if you read Psalm 73 that we sang earlier, you would see that there is a picture of the wicked seem to be prospering. 
and the godly seem to be the ones suffering. Because it's not always as black and white as we would like it to be. We can't say there's prosperity and therefore there's obedience. Otherwise, the wicked would be considered to be obeying the Lord. So you cannot take blessing and confuse it in thinking that God is pleased with what the people were doing. In fact, the reality is those blessings soon disappear. And this was the situation in Judah. And this is what you will see today. Pay close attention to the word of God under the two headings. Wheat became limited because wickedness was unlimited. And our goals are that you will learn that out of love for his church, if she continues in sin, God may remove from her the thing she cherishes in order to get her attention and cause her to return to God. Wheat became limited. Our text begins by showing the suffering that came or the suffering that would come, rather, because God's people did not listen to the rebukes of prophets like Jeremiah. They acted as if God would never do anything he threatened because they were important to God. They saw themselves as special. And that's very typical. We think somehow that because we are rich in North America that we are better and godlier than the people in Africa or India who are struggling to eat. And we equate them with their paganism and we think we're godly because we are rich. And at this time Judah was rich. Judah was a thriving metropolis. Big business took place there. But instead of looking at the wealth and saying God is pleased with us because we are rich. They should have been looking are we faithful to God that these riches will continue. But they weren't looking at their lives. They didn't care about their lives. They ignore the prophets who came and pronounced God's warning to them and coming judgment. Prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zephaniah and Heb- Nahum, Habakkuk, Obadiah. They call them to repent, to get their lives in order because their wealth will be gone. Their wheat, wheat would disappear. In their arrogance though, they refused to acknowledge that Yahweh was the source of their blessing. You see, the wealth started to get to their heads And instead of thinking this is a blessing from God, they start thinking this is a blessing from our abilities. They forgot that it was God who would send the rain at the right time. That God would send the early rain and the latter rain. The early rains would come in January and it would be good for fattening the grain. And the latter rains would come for the planting of the grain And they thought in their arrogance that their wealth depended upon themselves. But Job chapter 28 verse 26 says this. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt. 
God was the one who wouldn't said where the thunderbolt would go, let alone the rain. Psalm 147 verse 8 says, Who covers the heavens with clouds? Who prepares rain for the earth? Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? It was God who did that. God's providential provisions were acts of his love. But they were acts of love that were being ignored by the bride. She was taking her bridegroom for granted. Now, God said, as we read earlier, Deuteronomy 28, verse 12, The Lord will open to you his good treasures, the heavens, to give the rain in your land in its season, to bless all the work of your land. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And they said, yeah, we like that. The blessings are here. But they forgot the other side. You see, that was said in Mount Gerizim. The blessing of obeying the covenant. But on the other side was Mount Ebal. Who was saying if you don't. And that transition will take place. If you turn away from faithful living. And you become unfaithful. You betray me. You run to idols. You ignore my worship. Then what will come on the other side will be curses for disobedience. Do you know that Ontario today is the most indebted non-national jurisdiction in the history of the universe? We're borrowing money like nobody's business. When God says, you will borrow from none and you will lend. You see the direction we are going now. The, curses, the, the blessings are disappearing from us the more we turn away from God. And who's getting rich? Kind of interesting how that works. We're just borrowing money. And borrowing money. But we should have been the ones giving and helping others. But this is not strange. You see, this is what God said before the northern ten and a half tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. God had said... In Amos chapter 4 verse 7. I also withheld rain from you. When there were still three months to the harvest. When they need the fattening of the grain. God says I'll stop the rain. I made it rain on one city. And I withheld rain from another city. And the people in the south. The Judah. They didn't care about what God had just done. To their brothers in the north. After Amos, God made it clear the Jews' sins and their transgressions would cause them not to get the things they desperately needed. And this was about 725 uh, BC. He said this through Isaiah now, after Amos. Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you anymore. Troubles are coming because you ignore him. And it's not surprising that God said the same thing now through Jeremiah 625 BC around that time. The Jews forgot that even wicked people can get blessings of God for a time. Remember what the Lord said many years later when Jesus walked the earth. He said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45. 
that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So there they were thinking, we are special because we are blessed. Instead of we are special because God loves us and we must be faithful to him. Forget God sends blessings to even the wicked for a time as the result changes to what is the normal. Blessings for obedience, cursings for disobedience. So what can we learn here? I have a few lessons for you. First of all, God will take away your blessings if you have his name but turn away from serving him. You're contemptible when you do this and God could legitimately starve you to death for rebellion because you have taken his blessings and you've treated it with contempt. But more than that, I focus here on wheat because that was one of the big produce of the time. But God could take away anything you hold dearly because you turn away from serving him and you treat him with contempt. Pedestrian familiarity is the big word that the theologians use. You treat God as, well, yesterday. No big deal. You know God could take away a spouse, a child, your food, your job, your health, your looks, your freedom, your worship. God knows the things you prize the most and he would take them away. You know, just like you would do with a child. Every child's different. Some child, if you want to punish them, just say no dessert. And that's terror to that poor child. Others might be, oh, you can't go and play with your friends. That's terror. Whatever will hurt. And that's what God is doing because he's getting his children to turn back to him. His bride who had strayed. He had to take away the thing she loved the most. Now be careful. Not every time someone loses something... That you assume that it is punishment from God. Sometimes God puts fires under, uh, fires under us to purify us. So you don't make these judgments about other people. You make these judgments about yourself. Look at your own heart. And when you do warn your Christian brothers. Who feel they can live however they want. Guard yourself when you think you could live however you want. And expect that God would go along with it. Second. Is it a surprise that. God took away worship from the church for almost two years. Really, it should not be. But why would God want to meet with people who love wealth and comfort more than they love him? Now, I know there are many different situations. I'm not trying to deal with every specific case. Do you think God is really pleased with the worship in North America today where worship is giving God what we think is best rather than what God has commanded in his word worship now is so weak for what God has commanded and look how easily people stopped worshipping even those who said they were worshipping from home the studies show they worship way less even though they were at home and in front of their computer or television you think God is pleased with that our attitude towards worship. Third, there are many people who deny God's sovereignty over everything. 
Don't be one of them. Warn those who do. God is sovereign over everything. He determines when the rain comes and when the snow comes. And when the flowers burst our bud. When they die. He determines where fires go. Where the thunderbolt goes. He determines how long we have our prime minister Trudeau. He controls him. Vladimir Putin and all the damage he's doing. God controls him too. He says how far the sea will go and stop. He determines the path of the hurricanes. That's the God we serve. And therefore, you bow the knee to him. Fourth, be warned. Don't conclude that every time something bad happens, it's because of sin. Sometimes God takes away things to sanctify people. Not because he wants to punish them. Or God may put you through a difficult time in order to bless you. But let's move from the second to the second point. On one hand, we say that wheat became limited or prosperity, fill in the blanks, because wickedness was unlimited. From verse 26 onward, the Jews and God's bride started with an uncontrolled lust for money because they had an uncontrolled lust for pleasure. And in order to get that money for their pleasure, they abused the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners to make more money. They ignored worship and they abandoned the Sabbath to make more money. Look how this was similarly described for us when the northern ten and a half tribes were getting in trouble with God and then eventually taken into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 BC. In Amos chapter 5 verse 12 we read, For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. So when the poor will go and plead for justice, this man has robbed me, he's not paid me. Then that rich man, that business owner, would bribe the judges. And he said, no, just go back, it's okay. Micah chapter 7 verse 2. The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among them. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. And that's what Judah started to do. They forgot their big brother in the north got in trouble for the same thing. And they decided they were going to set snares. They were going to set a trap. They were going to catch men. Like they caught wild animals. They would treat them like wild birds in cages. Verse 27. Kept them in baskets. Look how Habakkuk had said this just before Jerusalem fell. The trend continues. Habakkuk 1.15. They, they take up all the men with a hook. They catch them in their net. And they gather them in their dragnet before they rejoice and are glad. Those who are made in the image of God, mankind, were treated like wild birds or wild beasts. Why? Because other people needed to make money. Financial advantage. What did God warn us about? He says these people are 
ones who are bent on getting fat and sleek or shiny. That was when fat was a good thing. Fat meaning prosperity, not how we use fat today. And it did this at the expense of the poor and the wicked. They were worse than the pagans, God was saying. The wicked overtook, the wickedness rather, overtook the sins of others in Israel, of the pagans. And instead of pleading for the poor, they squeezed them for more labor. Isaiah 1.23 says, Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and follow their rewards. They do not defend the fatherless, nor does the cause of the widow come before them. What should the Jews have done? Now, it's not saying that everyone who was wealthy did this, but he was saying in a general way, rich people tend to give less than poor people, percentage-wise. They tend to squeeze all the more and tend to be less generous in general. But that's not always the case, and that, that, that doesn't have to be the case. Look at the example of Job, of what they should have done. Job 29, verse 12 through 17, he said, Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. He was wearing righteousness. Look at that picture. Instead of luxurious clothing, they knew him as the righteous man. I was eyes to the blind, verse 15. I was feet to the lame. I was father to the poor. And I searched out the case that I did not know. That's to get justice. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth. That's what should have characterized the leaders of the land instead of abusing the poor and the widow and the orphan and the foreigner. So it is obvious God had to punish his bride for her abuse. Not just of the poor, but it was an abuse of God himself. Because when you attack God's children, it's a personal attack against God. And moreover, they, they abandoned the worship of true God. They didn't give God the sacrifice he needed. Sometimes they did, as Amos said, the animals were not good. You read what they did even later in the time of Malachi. Since you bring all these lame things to me, these blind animals, these spotted animals, these sacrifices are not pleasing to me. Malachi 3 verse 5 says this, And I will come near you for judgment. I'll be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien, because they do not fear me, says the Lord. What a failure. What a bad bride the Lord had. And that's why in verse 30, God describes it in this way. He says, an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. God described his bright sin as an astonishing and horrible thing. God did not expect this from his bride. He knew that she knew better. She was taught better. And not only was she taught better, she was provided everything she needed. She had the wealth that God had promised her. 
When God put her into the land of Canaan, she had wells she didn't dig. She had houses she didn't build. She had animals that she did not have to raise. She had vineyards she didn't have to plant. She already had the blessings of God, but then she turned and abused others to get more. She acted as if her husband were poor and unable to provide for her. This is why this was such an insult to God. And then she even left him. And then God described those who aided his bride in this. Now he started to get personal. From that big picture of his bride betrayal. God in verse 31 says. The prophets lied. They gave rosy predictions of the future. You will not go into captivity they would say. Or you will only go for two years and then you will be able to come back. What liars they were. They had abused the Sabbath. And God used that word. Seven. And God said you will go there for 70 years using that number. What about the priest? Well the priest abused the people. How? They lost all sense of morality. They robbed them of their sacrifices. And did not teach them properly. And then the people of course didn't care. They didn't care about right and wrong because they were not being taught. They did not realize they were being fooled by the leaders. In fact, they kind of liked how things were going. Because no one was confronting them in their sin and their abusive behavior. There was no demand for righteousness placed on them. Wickedness was truly unlimited in that land. What can we learn here? First of all, you can see many who claim to be Christians but abuse the poor and needy with the excuse that they are capitalists. As if economics were outside of God's sovereignty. As if God only cares about what we do on Sunday and not what we do on Tuesday afternoon. But how you run your business is regulated by God as well. And often these capitalists will trap people in poverty. And if you go to places like Bangladesh, they're not only trapped in poverty, they're often trapped in these buildings where they're literally locked in. When the fires come, you've heard, of course, how many die in those locked factories. That's the abuse. Now, don't get me wrong. Capitalism is a principle. If it's done with morality, can be good. But capitalism without morality is always abusive. Don't abuse others in your business. Or those under you at work. Remember this. You are a Christian first. Before you can even consider being a conservative. It's Christian. Because sometimes they are conservative principles. That are not Christian. And you are a Christian first. Before you are a capitalist. Christianity has to guide. Whether you are conservative or capitalist. These people forgot that. 
Sometimes they would say, well, it's illegal for me to pay whatever uh, the person agrees to work for. Legal doesn't make it moral. That was their failure. Second, don't ignore worship. By the way, the reason I say that is because sometimes, and you know this particularly in the United States, where people equate Christianity with conservatism. They don't always match. You have to examine everything in light of the word of God. Romans 11.36, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Everything must be based on the direction of the word of God. Second, don't ignore worship. You're starving yourself if you ignore worship. More than that, you're making God jealous. Who can stand a jealous God? Who can stand if his wife shows affections to some other man and ignores him? That's what we do if we're not worshiping God regularly, with passion, in the way that would please him. Third, you can expect disorder and corruption in a church when ministers and elders are weak and deceptive. When they refuse to speak the truth and to warn Christians of the coming dangers. Not wanting to rock the boat or to reduce the income that comes in many churches. You know, many churches, the pastors are paid directly all the tithes that are given to the churches. That's where, how I grew up. Where the pastors got all the tithe. You know what that meant. I've never seen anyone disciplined in the church. Because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to lose that money. The, the other affairs of the church were run by offerings rather than by tithe. Those are things that lead to corruption. And those things happen in many churches. Sometimes people don't do it for the money, but the influence. They want that bigger church. So they don't care. They don't want to lose members. They want to keep the institution alive. That's the failure that harms the church of Jesus Christ. The message needs to be clear. Get rid of wickedness or prepare to lose your wheat or whatever you cherish the most. God loves you too much to leave you in wickedness and must act to get you back. And then four, these men were out to catch men and destroy them. Isn't that interesting that Jesus, probably pulling from this passage, says, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. And what does that mean? They were going to be brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And their names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And they will have a brand new family who would care for them. And he would nourish and care for them all their lives. And remove their troubles and even their tears. Blessings you see come from hard work and helping and serving in the church of Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid, the Lord Jesus said to Simon. From now on, you will catch men. That is the word of the Lord. Let's conclude. God took away the wheat from Judah because of the wickedness on their lips and on their hands. They trusted their business, but God busted their businesses. They were cruel to their employees. And God crushed them by the Babylonians. They abandoned the Sabbath to make more money. So they abandoned God. 
and then God abandoned them. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, God has no limit to his power and can remove the troubles you have in this world. But why should he? If his church continues to ignore the sheep by feeding them improper food, by not disciplining them, and if the sheep are contented with straying over every new patch of grass it sees, running to every wind of doctrine, why would God bless her if she's always straying? Why would he not punish her so that she would come to her senses? In fact, he promised he would do that. So take this warning. You could lose everything if you don't get your own life in order and focus on the worship of God and in showing kindness to the weak. And pass this warning on to others. If you know other Christians who are living for their own pleasure and living for their own profit, be a friend. Speak up. Remember, we're part of one family. It doesn't matter they're in a different church. Don't say you have your way and we have ours. There's only one way, the way Christ says. So do speak up. The greatest reason you live well and you leave wickedness though. Remember this is the foundation of it all. Is because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That made you wealthy beyond imagination. So being willing to help others. Being willing to serve others. And not abuse them. It's based on the fact that you're already rich. You are so blessed. There's no ground for abuse. But for sharing of the love of Christ. And if you're not a Christian. Well you can't love God. And you can't love your neighbor. You need a heart transplant. In order to do something. That God has called you to do. Only God can give you the new heart transplant. And how will you get that new heart? Well, he can count Christ's life as yours. He has that ability. You can say, Lord, help me. I am full of sin. Jesus took the punishment for my sin. Give me that new life. Give me that new heart. Give me that new record. I hope you will ask him today.